Jackson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Hope you had an awesome weekend. I hope the snow didn't completely mess up your weekend. Hope you didn't have any traveling to do, anything like that. I had a great weekend. I got to go home for a couple of days, see my family, see my parents, uh, see my siblings. It was an awesome time. And I got to watch a lot of sports this weekend as well. It was an excellent, an excellent sports weekend, and it had such variety. And this is, of course, our first weekend without the Super Bowl, without the NFL, right? The the the, uh, the NBA trade deadline has come and gone, and now we're looking towards the All-Star break. So we're kind of in this weird middle ground where the NBA really hasn't gotten going yet, and college basketball really hasn't gotten going yet, although the season's been going on for a while. We haven't reached March. We haven't reached the tournament or even the conference tournaments. Kind of in this awkward middle ground, and I found myself watching some high school basketball on Friday night, and I went to see my brother's swim meet on Saturday, and I watched the Badgers yesterday, I watched some XFL, I watched golf yesterday afternoon, the Pebble Beach, uh, what is it, a pro-am, a a tournament, whatever, I watched Pebble Beach. I watched a lot of different things this weekend, and I thought we'd talk about a few of them, not all of them, uh, but I want to have some bigger discussion on a couple uh, of the big sporting events from the weekend. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to talk about the Badgers. We're going to talk a little baseball. We're going to talk a little NFL free agency and and maybe preview what's coming in the next couple of weeks. But it was a, a, a crazy busy weekend with a lot of different sporting events, a lot of different types of sporting events going on. So I thought we'd talk about a couple of those. I, and I and I thought I'd pick a couple of my favorites. Right? I I, I thought I had a I had an absolute blast. Uh, at Onalaska High School on Friday. And I know not everybody's a high school sports fan. Not everybody's an Onalaska fan. So I'll be really, really brief. But but Friday night was really cool. Not because it was a great game. And if you watched the stream or, or listened to the broadcast with Drew Kelly, you that game was not close. It was never close. But Terrell Stutley scored his 1,000th career point. That was really, really cool. And it was senior night. And some of the seniors who I... Look, I've been going to Onalaska games all year so far, all season... A couple of players who I've barely seen get time, got to play, and a lot of them made big shots. In fact, their leading scorer, Isaac Hellickson, was a guy who's barely played all year. So that was really, really cool. You could see the parents were into it, and and a lot of players on Friday night had opportunities to score and to do things that all season long we haven't seen, just because it it was senior night. So that was really, really cool. I had a blast. Yesterday, I actually really enjoyed watching golf. I was watching the Pebble Beach. I think it's, like I said, I think it's a pro am, Uh, And I didn't recognize a ton of the golfers. I didn't recognize the course because I'm not a golf expert and I don't watch golf routinely. But yesterday afternoon, it was more about the activity of watching golf than golf itself. And maybe you understand what I'm saying here. I'm not a golf guy. I've played golf probably two times in the last five years. Like, I I don't golf. I don't really enjoy it. I don't really enjoy reading about golf or watching or listening to people talk about golf. But yesterday, sitting down and watching golf, I don't know, this time of year when the days are, are still pretty short, it's getting dark early. I know the days are getting longer. And we got, a, we got what, like a foot of snow yesterday? Like We're kind of getting cabin fever a little bit. And, and turning on golf on a Sunday afternoon, you get to see somewhere warmer. You get to see the sunshine. You get to see the ocean, the green grass. And it's, in a weird way, a pretty solid replacement for the NFL. Because from, what, August to February... 
we carve out hours of our Sundays dedicated to football. That's how we spend our Sunday afternoons. And once football goes away, we kind of have that hole. Right? Okay, we can watch college basketball. That's not for everyone. Right? You can watch the XFL, which we'll talk more about, and, and I don't know uh, if everybody's on board with that. But golf is a pretty solid replacement where you can turn on the TV and relax. It's a good, it's a good sport to nap through, right? Eat a big lunch and then kind of kick back, take a nap while watching golf. It's perfect. And you get to see the warm sunshine, the green grass, the ocean. It was a solid replacement for football yesterday. So I spent most of uh, my, the later part of my afternoon, at least, uh, watching Pebble Beach. My favorite sporting event from the weekend was actually the Badger game. And if you listen to the show with any sort of regularity, you know that I'm, not a huge fan of college basketball, at least not right now. I think college basketball has ebbs and flows. They have good years. They have down years. They have entertaining years. They have boring years. And the Badgers certainly aren't exempt from that, right? They've made Final Fours. They've missed the tournament and just about every result in between. So there are natural ebbs and flows in every sport. I'm not just trying to pick on college basketball, but this year, been a little bit boring. I've been watching a lot more NBA, a lot more NFL until the Super Bowl, of course. I enjoyed the Wisconsin-Ohio State game yesterday, not just because they won. They won 70-57. to They went on a huge run at the end of the first half that basically put it away. It was at the Kohl Center. It felt in hand. But it wasn't even about the results or about the actual game. Much like golf, it was more about the feeling I got when I watched yesterday. Yesterday's Badger game felt like a tournament game. It felt like a really meaningful, marquee college basketball game. Now... It wasn't. The Badgers and the Buckeyes, neither team is ranked. So it's only, yesterday's game was only important as we wanted to make it as Badger fans or as, of course, Ohio State fans wanted to make it. And I know we're getting close to the college tournament and, or in college tournament and the conference tournament. But yesterday's game was two unranked teams. But it was on CBS and it had the music and it had the fanfare and it had the commentary of what felt like a March Madness game. You know, the, the, the college basketball theme song on CBS. And you know what? Over the break, I'm going to pull that up because you almost have to hear it to understand. It, it evokes a certain feeling. March Madness is fun. It's exciting. It's meaningful. And I got a sense of that from yesterday's Badger game. And, of course, it didn't hurt that they won, right? You always want to see your teams win. So I actually had the most fun this entire weekend watching the Badger game, which I never would have expected uh, leaving work on Friday. Never would have expected to enjoy the Badger game more than the Onalaska game, or Pebble Beach, or the XFL. And let's talk about the XFL. I didn't have a chance to listen to a ton of Dave and Scrady this morning, but I would imagine, and I would assume, that they spent a lot of time on it, because when the AAF started, Dave and Scrady got into it. And they said, okay, this league is going to work, there are going to be fans, there's going to be a following, and there was, until the league folded. So I'm assuming that I saw the um, the arterial bar and grill poll question at WK2iSports.com, I saw that it was regarding the XFL, there was a lot of conversation about the new football league. I watched a game, and I'm not going to lie, I had to look up today what game I watched because I couldn't even remember. I knew one team was the Vipers, and they were green. So I watched the 1 o'clock game yesterday between the New York Guardians and the the Tampa Bay Vipers. And I'm pretty sure, unless I was going in and out of a nap or I'd had too much coffee, I'm pretty sure Mark Tressman was coaching the Vipers, the former Bears head coach. And it wasn't a close game. New York won 23-3. I was more trying to get a sense, get a feel of what the XFL was like. I don't have a team that I cheer for. I don't really care who wins and who loses, but I wanted to get a sense of what was going on, what the atmosphere was like, what the, the officiating and the, the different rules and, and the little wrinkles that have been added to the broadcast that are different than an NFL broadcast. I wanted to get a sense. I wanted to take it in. And it's not that I didn't like it. But when I sat down today to get ready for the show, I was thinking about the Ana game and Pebble Beach in Wisconsin. And, and and for whatever reason, I enjoyed those events more than the XFL. 
and I was trying to figure out why. Because I like football, love the NFL, I love dedicating my Sunday afternoon to watching football. And I started to ask the question, okay, what need am I satisfying by watching high school basketball or golf or Wisconsin? I was able to answer that question for the Onalaska game. I love basketball, and I love really, really good high school basketball. Onalaska provides that. It was a good time. I enjoyed watching Pebble Beach, like I said, because it allowed me to transport myself into a warmer place with sunshine and with the ocean, and you get to watch guys who are really, really good at golf. So there, that satisfies a need, that satisfies the desire I have. Watching Wisconsin yesterday, it filled the desire that I have as a Wisconsin fan and as a fan who likes meaningful college basketball, the theme song, the commentary, the fanfare, all of it. What about the XFL? Because our time is valuable, your time is valuable. What need are you satisfying by watching the XFL? I couldn't think of one. Because the more I thought about it, like my football fandom is directly rated to college basketball and to the NFL. Maybe I don't have a burning passion for football in the way that some of you do or, or some others do. And maybe that's why I didn't really feel like I was locked and loaded and engaged with the XFL. But what I did notice today when listening to other sports shows and watching TV, what was all the discussion about? Were you paying attention today? What was everybody talking about? They were relating it to the NFL. All the conversation today was talking about how, well, the XFL, you know, they're trying this rule out. And the broadcast did this. And the, and the, the pace of play and the point after the touchdown going for one, two, or three. The conversation wasn't about the XFL players and coaches and, and teams. It was about what the NFL should take away from the XFL. They're all, it's an interesting conversation to talk about rule changes and pace of play and point after touchdown. But I don't need another league to start that conversation. Right? I don't need to watch it play out to then discuss the NFL. What I noticed today is that our XFL fandom, or in my case, lack thereof, relates to our NFL fandom. Everybody today trying to connect the XFL to the NFL in lots of different ways. Well, the Renegades, the Dallas Renegades, have this former NFL player. Or as I said earlier, the Tampa Bay Vipers, coached by Mark Tressman, who is a former coach in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. Or we're making connections by talking about a difference in, in the rules or a difference in the broadcast and saying the NFL should do this. All conversation and fandom relating to the XFL comes back to the NFL. And I'm a huge NFL fan. But right now, on February 10th, my NFL fandom isn't about watching football. It's about thinking about the draft. Thinking about free agency. New head coaching hires. That's a huge part of my NFL fandom. A large part of my NFL fandom resides in the offseason. And it, and, it, and it wraps itself around conversations about coaching hires and free agency and trades and the draft. I don't need more football right now. Now I'm going to watch because what, what else am I going to do on a Sunday afternoon? But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's what I, that's what I realized. A lot of our reasoning and our discussion to watch and to talk about the XFL relates to the NFL. And I'm okay with football for now. I like talking about the draft. I like talking about free agency. I don't need to be watching games. Now I'm going to watch them, like I said. But just my two cents uh, on the XFL. I actually want to talk about the Badgers coming up next because they had a very, very impressive performance yesterday. They beat Ohio State at the Kohl's Center on a Sunday afternoon. It felt like a, like a meaningful game, like a March Madness game. I want to pump the brakes on the Badgers just a little bit, but I do want to be complimentary and I want to compliment and talk Highly about one player who showed up yesterday, and I wish he would show up more. Because when he does, the Badgers always, always, 
always win. That's coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show will roll on here, presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a moment, right here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Thanks for hanging out. Follow me on Twitter at KeystrokerGrant. You can follow the whole station, all of us, me, Dave Scrady, Hunter, everyone at WKTY. Stay up to date with what we're doing when we're not on the air, mostly just complaining uh, and being sarcastic. That's kind of my thing on Twitter. Yesterday, I did something I don't normally do, and that was watch an entire Badger basketball game live start to finish without stopping. Something I don't do very often. Yesterday, uh, I was at home visiting my parents up in Menominee, Wisconsin. We went to church. We got home. We were making a little lunch, and I thought, what the heck? You know, what else do I have to do? Let's watch the Badger game. And I threw it on, and like I said earlier on in the show, it felt like it felt like a big, meaningful game. It was on CBS. It had the music. It had the commentary. It had the feel of a big, meaningful game. And I went and I pulled up the theme song over the break because I, this is my one of my favorite theme songs in all of sports because it just, when I hear it, it makes me think of deep runs in the playoffs by the Badgers, which are some of my most exciting sports memories. Like when you hear this song come on, you know that it's real. Like this is, this is just it. Oh, oh. this song might single-handedly just revive my love for college basketball. And when the Badgers play on CBS on a Sunday afternoon, I was like, okay, I, this I can this I can vibe with. Even though the Badgers were like, what, three games over 500 and Ohio State and Wisconsin are both unranked, I'm like, I can get behind this game because it feels meaningful. It doesn't feel like a waste of time Tuesday night game on Big Ten Network. It felt like it meant something. I, now, I don't, I don't think it did. Like I said, both, both teams are unranked and the conference tournament hasn't started yet. But... It felt meaningful. It felt big. And it looked awesome. It sounded awesome. And I had a good time. And they blew out Ohio State, which never hurts when your team wins. They won 70-57, to and they put a huge run on the Buckeyes to end the first half, which is a little bit of a bummer because that's like the 10 minutes I actually stepped away from the TV and I came back and the the Badgers were up 18. I'm like, well, okay. I guess I missed the best part of the game, and they rode that lead uh, until the end when they ultimately won by 13 points. It was a great team performance yesterday. Cole Center was rocking. It reminded me of a couple years ago when, look, nobody came into the Cole Center, especially on a Sunday afternoon. Nobody came into the Cole Center and beat the Badgers. Like, you could have, Badgers could be unranked. Number two in the country, Michigan, could come into town. And the Badgers, you you just knew they had a great chance to win because they were at the Cole Center. And that's the way it worked. It always worked that way. And yesterday felt like that. It felt like a little bit of a throwback. They blew out Ohio State. Great performance. I said this last year, and and it and it's still true, and it's wild, but it is true. Brevin Pritzel is the biggest indicator of success for this Badger team. And what I mean by that is, when the Badgers play their best, their biggest wins, go and look at the box score. Brevin Pritzel. He doesn't start. He doesn't start. But if you look at all the Badgers' big wins over tough opponents, whether they're at home or like the first game where they went on the road and they beat Ohio State, in Columbus, or when they beat Michigan State at home. In all of the Badgers' big games, Brevin Pritzel is maybe not the leading scorer, but a big driving force. The box score wasn't impressive for the Badgers yesterday. They only had one starter in double digits. It was Aleem Ford 
with 10 points. Demetri Trice and Brad Davison combined for 12 points. That's not a recipe for a win. But when Brevin Pritzel can do his thing, which is be a really, really good shooter, and also do a couple other things as well. Brevin Pritzel had 19 yesterday. When Brevin Pritzel plays well, almost every, every single time, the Badgers end up winning the game. And it's shocking, and I don't understand it, because he doesn't even start. He, even, he does not even start. Brevin Pritzel played 33 minutes yesterday off the bench, so he played more than any other starter except for Aleem Ford, who also played 33, which good on Greg Gard and that coaching staff for feeling that Brevin Pritzel was having a good night and not being afraid to leave him out there. But when the Badgers play their best and they have their most impressive performances, Brevin Pritzel, way more often than not, and by that I mean like 90% of the time, he plays way, way above his average. And I guess Brevin Pritzel is... is He's a player where, under Greg Gard, Brevin Pritzel was one of the best high school players in Wisconsin. He was recruited to the Badgers, and under Bo Ryan, you see players like that who over four years turn into contributors, turn into stars, at least in the realm of the Big Ten and in the realm of the Wisconsin Badgers. Ben Brust is a great example of that, right? Someone that, as a freshman, you might not have known as a casual fan. We don't live in Madison. We probably don't go to a lot of games, but by the time he's a senior... He has come up through the ranks, he has improved, he fits, and then he's ready to to contribute. Greg Garda hasn't done as good of a job with player development, in my opinion. Khalil Iverson, Charlie Thomas, right? Brevin Pritzel, a big, a, a solid group of players. So it's, it's a big enough sample size where you were excited. I was excited about Khalil Iverson as a freshman. I was excited about Charlie Thomas because these guys, I'm like, man, when Koenig and when Hayes graduate, And when they move on, these guys got next. This is an impressive group of players. I've seen the potential when when they're in the system for a couple of years. They'll get better, they'll get better. And then by their senior year or even junior year, they'll be ready to, man, that'll that'll be a great team. And it never really happened. Player development for Greg Gard hasn't exactly been his calling card. Brad Davis and Demetri Trice, have they really gotten that much better the last few years? Not really. And Brevin Pritzel falls in that category. But every once in a while, he'll pop off for 20 points, and the Badgers almost always win. Because when Brevin Pritzel can hit shots, he spaces the floor. He makes life easier for everyone else. And the Badgers were playing a big lineup yesterday. They started both Micah Potter and Nate Reavers. And Aleem Ford's pretty big, too. So if Brevin Pritzel can pull those defenders out to the perimeter and allow room for Potter and especially Reavers to work underneath, this Badger team could actually be pretty tough to beat, especially the Cole Center on a Sunday. Brevin Pritzel, the biggest indicator of success for this Badger team. More so than Brad Davison, more so than Demetri Trice or Nate Reavers or anybody else. Now, all of that being said, was a great performance yesterday. They did beat the Ohio State Buckeyes, which is a Big Ten win, which are always, those are hard-earned wins. Division wins, conference wins, whatever. I'm not all that impressed, and I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to make this win a huge deal. First of all, because they're 14-10, and 10, And as we talked about last week, you are what your record says you are. And we can try to project. We can assume that, well, by the end of the year, the Badgers will be here. Or if they get into the tournament, they can do that. Well, sure, we can project and we can predict and we can hope. But a matter of fact is they're 14 and 10. They're just only a couple games over 500 and they're 7 and 6 in Big Ten play. Here's the real reason that I can't get excited about this win. That I can't make a big deal out of it. 
Because if I'm not allowed, and this is what Badger people tell me, if I'm not allowed to be frustrated or disappointed or upset, if I'm not allowed to be mad when the Badgers go on the road and lose, then I can't really celebrate their home wins. Because everything I hear and see and read, you you can't win on the road in the Big Ten. You You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't expect the Badgers to go into Mackey and beat Purdue. You can't expect the Badgers to go into the barn and beat Minnesota. You just This is unfair. It's not how the Big Ten works. The Big Ten, you don't win on the road. Sorry. Just just accept it. Okay, I've accepted it. I, I, I've, I've gotten there. But if I can't expect the Badgers to win on the road, why should I make a big deal when they win at home? If it's impossible to win on the road in the Big Ten, okay, well then the Badgers should have won. They should win every home game because apparently all these teams are too incompetent to win one road game. And the Badgers have a great home court advantage at the Coles Center. Yesterday felt like it did five years ago. Where Okay, undefeated Michigan, John Beeline coming in, no problem. Badgers are going to win. If I can't be mad about the road losses, because that's how the Big Ten is, then I can't celebrate home wins because the Badgers should win every game at home. They beat Michigan State at home, what, a week or two ago. If the Badgers can't be expected to win on the road, then I can't make a huge deal when they win at home. Sorry. You got you to acknowledge both sides of that coin. And it is a, a, a very one-sided coin this year in the Big Ten. Because ain't nobody winning on the road. Nobody. And it's not just the Big Ten. It's, it's more of a reflection of college basketball as a whole. College basketball, and a couple minutes ago, we were talking about ebbs and flows for sporting leagues. And, and we're going to talk about ebbs and flows for baseball here coming up in a few minutes. There are ebbs and flows, college basketball or the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball or golf. All these leagues go through ebbs and flows where it's exciting and everybody's watching. And then maybe the next year it takes a little bit of a step back and it's a little boring or people aren't as engaged. College basketball is definitely having a down year. Now, that doesn't mean that fans of college basketball aren't still watching. I think a lot of people who watch college basketball routinely are probably are probably betting on games. But college basketball is having a little bit of a down year. Here's the test. How many teams can you name that are in the top 10 of college basketball? I I couldn't get very many. I had to research it. How many teams can you name in the top 10 in college basketball? AP top 25. I'll make it even harder. Okay, not counting Kansas and not counting Duke. How many teams can you name in the top 10? Okay, we got Baylor, Gonzaga, San Diego State, Louisville, Dayton, Florida State, Maryland, and Seton Hall. That's your top 10 minus Kansas and Duke, who are basically always in there anyways. As much as we complain about the New England Patriots, or complain about Duke basketball, or complain about Kentucky, or in baseball, we complain about the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers. We complain about it, but it's what makes sports interesting. The Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers meeting each other in four straight finals made the NBA extremely accessible for those people who don't have the time to watch games every week because they knew, all right, this, yep, it's LeBron, Golden State, two best teams. I'm, I know what's going on, and I can watch the NBA Finals. Dynasties and really, really good teams make sports interesting because you have a villain to cheer against. Who the hell in the top 10 in college basketball is going to get me to turn on my TV when the Badgers aren't playing? Maybe Duke, but that's the case every year. Nobody. I can barely, I couldn't have named very many of those teams in the top 10. Another question, how many players could you tell me right now that are going to be picked in the NBA draft lottery this summer? 
Because as much as great teams are important, great players are also important to get us to watch. I'm looking at an NBA mock draft right now. I don't know any of these people. The number one pick, and this is just according to Bleach Report, it's the first one that came up, Anthony Edwards from Georgia? Okay. They got number two, some foreign player from Tel Aviv. Okay. The Atlanta Hawks are taking LaMelo Ball at number three. That's what this draft predicts. Okay, I know LaMelo Ball. Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State. Isaac Okoro from Auburn. That's actually a name I slightly know. There, There's no John Morant. There's no Zion Williamson. There's no Andrew Wiggins, Kyrie Irving. There's not even a DeAndre Ayton. College basketball is its just a bunch of college teams playing each other. And when the tournament rolls around, that will be endlessly entertaining because we'll have buzzer beaters. We'll have last-second full-court shots. We'll have overtime. But it's more about college basketball, the sport as a whole, rather than any particular teams or any particular players. And for college basketball as a sport to be interesting, I'm sorry, but it's got to be the NCAA tournament because that's the only time college basketball really has its time. It's competing with the NBA right now. It's competing with the XFL. That will be college basketball's time. And it will be fun regardless of who's playing or which players are playing. But right now, no player, no team is getting me to rush to turn on my television on a Tuesday night. And that's not to pick on college basketball. Every sport has ebbs and flows. College basketball is going, well, what's what's a high and a low? Is an ebb a low or a high? It's going through a, it's dipping. It's It's less interesting this year. Let's just leave it at that. Speaking of ebbs and flows, baseball is definitely that sport. They're always trying to solve problems. Try to try to improve pace of play, all of all of these things in baseball. And baseball, I saw an idea that apparently is being plotted by Rob Manfred and 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 the front office of the major leagues. A new idea about the playoffs. This is this is weird. I want to I want to talk about this coming up next because for whatever reason, Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball, they seem to be the only people who agree that baseball is a problem, but ignore the obvious problem and try to solve every other little problem. We'll talk about that coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. We're going to talk one of my favorite, most interesting stories right now. That's NFL free agency, especially quarterback free agency. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. Tom Brady Looking like he's going to hit the open market. Phillip Rivers, if he wants to, Chargers aren't bringing him back. Maybe Phillip Rivers would retire. He's got nine kids. Like, I'd, I'd probably hang it up at this point. We're going to talk NFL free agency, especially about one player in particular. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. We're talking about ebbs and flows of sports leagues. Last year, I thought the NFL was a little bit more boring than normal. And the NBA was amazing. This year, I think the NFL was as good as it's been in 10 years. And the NBA, as much as I love the NBA... It's not as interesting. Doesn't mean there's not good teams. The Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks are all great. The Heat, the Celtics, the Sixers are all interesting. The Rockets are interesting. But it wasn't as great as last year. The NFL's back after kind of a downish year, and the NBA is taking a step back after one of its most amazing years. All leagues go through ebbs and flows, and college basketball is not exempt. If you notice today, Michigan State fell out of the top 25. They were the preseason number one team. We have a story about that at WKTYsports.com. If you follow us at Twitter, or not, if you follow us on Twitter, but also at WKTY, oh, we have a story posted there. You can check it out. Michigan State fell right out of the top 25. There's no superpower team. There's no superpower player. It's just a bunch of teams. And when March rolls around, that'll be fun. 
But as of right now, college basketball is is pretty boring. This is definitely a down year for them. After last year, they had Zion, right? And they had Ja Morant. It was a fun year. This year, it's just a bunch of teams, which will be fun in March. But right now, not so much. So a league that we're always talking about going through ebbs and flows, about making changes or making improvements, that's baseball. And I was on Twitter this afternoon getting ready for the show, just kind of, you know, trying to take in certain opinions, looking at certain stories, trying to see what I wanted to talk about. And I saw a bunch of, like, fire Rob Manfred stuff. Rob Manfred, of course, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. And I'm like, what? What did he do? Because maybe people don't like Rob Manfred. That's fine. There are people who don't like Roger Goodell, people who don't like Adam Sterling, or not Adam Sterling, yeah, Adam Sterling. There are people who don't like every commissioner, every president, every politician. That's fine. But I'm like, well, did he do something today? Like, well, what am I missing? So I looked into it a little bit. I started doing some digging. And I guess Major League Baseball, at least it's been rumored, that they are considering playoff expansion, which I don't hate. But there's another wrinkle to it. It goes a little bit deeper than that. So I was actually doing some reading on it. Dave Carney at Dapper or uh, yeah, at Dapper DC on Twitter. He tweeted it out. You can find it at WKTY. The New York Post had it first, and that's where I did all of my research. So let me explain, and I'll read some of this verbatim because it's kind of complicated, and they do a pretty good job explaining it. So MLB thinking of going from five playoff teams to seven playoff teams in each league, right? So you have your four, what would it be, your three division winners, and then your two wild cards, which would be your five in each league. So three division winners, two wild cards, the two wild cards play that game and then they move into the divisional round with only four. So the f- the first real round of the playoffs only features four teams from each league. It's pretty small, it's pretty exclusive, which sucks, but it also makes it that more meaningful, that much more fun when your team actually makes it. So MLB thinking of going from five teams in each league to seven, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. This is how the New York Post explains it. And I, I would try to put this into my own words, but it's really complicated and I think I'd give myself a headache. So this is what it says. In this new concept, the team with the best record in each league would receive a bye to avoid the wild card round and go directly to the division series. The other two division winners and the wild card with the next best record would host all three games in a best of three wild card round. So the bottom three wild cards, the bottom three uh, wild cards would have no first round games. So the, the wild card goes from not two teams, but it goes to two matchups and the wild card teams go on the road for all three games. So there's no travel, which I don't hate. Just move the process along because those wild card teams most likely aren't going to win the championship anyways. And if they do have championship aspirations, then win two games on the road. It's not that hard. The division winner with the second best record in each league would then get its first pick of its opponent from those lower three wild card rounds. So think about that. The best team gets to then pick who they play next. So seeding isn't important, but the team with the best record, the highest seed, gets to choose who they play rather than just playing the lowest remaining seed. Which, let's be real, the lowest remaining seed isn't always the best team. Look this last year in the NFL. The Eagles were what? The the fourth seed? And then five and six were the Seahawks and the Vikings. Nothing against Carson Wentz and the Eagles, but the Vikings and the Seahawks were better teams. The Packers would have rather played Philly, who was a four seed, than the five or six teams, the Seahawks and the Vikings. So you get the point. It's interesting. It seems like a very cartoonish, very on-the-fly, schoolyard kind of approach for what is supposed to be America's pastime, which is built on tradition, which is built on hundreds of years. It would seem odd that the league that builds itself on tradition, like literally nothing has changed in, what, 150 years it seems weird that that league, the history league, 
would then try to play to its audience by doing a weird reseeding selection draft in the postseason. Doesn't seem like it would fit. The NBA, okay, I could I could see that. Because the NBA is the progressive league. It's the millennial league. It's the let the kids have fun league. Superstar driven league. I would get that. Baseball? Doesn't really seem like the natural place for this, but let's talk about it. I don't think this is going to happen. In fact, it hasn't. We haven't even heard from Major League Baseball. This is just a report. Rob Manfred and everybody in the front office of Major League Baseball realizes that baseball has a problem. In fact, it has many problems. Now, I don't know if any of these problems are going to sink the league, but there are issues, and they're working to fix some of them. Pace of play, home runs. I think the problem that they're trying to solve with this idea is excitement in the playoffs. They must think that not enough people watch the playoffs. There's not enough excitement in the playoffs. So let's reseed it. Let's do a draft. This will get people to watch. I can only assume that's the problem they're trying to solve. I don't know if that's a problem, but that, that appears to be where they're going. Major League Baseball has many issues. But they're not addressing the issue that needs to be addressed, which, in my opinion, and look, I really feel strongly that this opinion is correct, I think the problem with Major League Baseball is that 80% of the league is irrelevant 80% of the time. I will go to Miller Park and sit there for three hours. If I can buy a beer and a bag of popcorn, it's a fun kind of afternoon-long event. I don't need a game to be sped through in two hours and 15 minutes. I don't need you to start adding base runners in extra innings. I, I, don't, I don't need a pitcher to face three batters. That's the sport of baseball. Pace of play is not a big deal for me. Home runs, it'll come around. Yeah, they're hitting a lot of home runs right now, and they're striking out a lot. Sports have ebbs and flows. That's kind of the theme of today's show. It will regress sometime. It will fix itself. But I think the issue in baseball that is hurting viewership and hurting interest, especially in the fall when football starts up, which when baseball is actually competing with other leagues, the problem, the problem is that 80% of Major League Baseball is irrelevant 80% of the time. And for a lot of seasons, it's the same 80% of teams. And you might think, well, Grant, those, those are some pretty big numbers. Well, look, I'm not a mathematician, and I really didn't put a whole lot of thought into this, but I did check, kind of. There's 30 Major League Baseball teams, and right now, 10 make the playoffs, 5 from each league. Some of those playoff games or playoff bursts last about an hour in a wild card game, right? So 30 teams, 10 playoff teams. Let's say 4 have a chance to win the World Series every year. That's 4 out of 30, right? Three out of 30, what would that be? 10%? So it's a little more than 10% have a chance, which would put it what? 85% of the league is irrelevant 80% of the time. That's some terrible, just on-the-fly math. But I'm not over-exaggerating here. A huge chunk of the league is irrelevant a huge chunk of the time. Local audiences will always be there. People in Baltimore are always going to watch the Baltimore Orioles, and people in Milwaukee are always going to watch the Milwaukee Brewers. But if you want Brewers fans and Orioles fans, and Seattle fans, and Texas Ranger fans to be interested and to care in August and September, then every once in a blue moon, those teams are going to need to give their fans a reason to care in August and September. And the structure of Major League Baseball doesn't really provide an avenue for that. Now, I don't know if a salary cap is the best way to solve that problem, but the NBA doesn't have a parity issue. The NFL doesn't have a parity issue. Major League Baseball has a parity issue. And for 80% of the country, those of us that aren't Red Sox, Yankees fans, Dodger fans, for 80% of the country, we don't watch the playoffs and we don't watch the World Series because we don't 
care, and we don't want to watch the same teams every year. I don't know the best way to solve that problem, but that is the problem. And whatever Rob Manfred and the front office is coming out with this new format, that ain't going to solve the problem. They continue to dance around it and try to think of every other problem except for the problem that actually is hurting baseball. And that is most of the league is irrelevant most of the time. And small market fans, we'll watch football. I'm not watching the World Series if it's the Yankees and the Dodgers. Because I just, I don't care. I don't care. It's very fatiguing. And baseball does not seem to want to recognize that problem. When we come back, we're, we're up against it. I want to talk about the NFL, who I think just finished one of their most interesting seasons in a decade. We're going to talk about the NFL, including the most interesting storyline of the offseason. And that's where Tom Brady is going. Because I'm so sick and tired of this conversation around Tom Brady. Because not a single person is being accurate. Not a single person is right about this situation. We've talked about it before. We're going to talk about it again. And I'm going to bang my head against this wall until, well, until I knock myself out. That's coming up next. Last segment of the Wisco Sports Show on the way here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. If you want to catch up on what you missed, if you're just tuning in, you're just joining us. We've talked baseball, Badgers, talked about the XFL. We even talked about on Alaska basketball for a minute. We talked about the Pebble Beach uh, Pro-Am yesterday for a minute. We've This might be one of our most diverse shows in a while. Check out the podcast, WKTYsports.com, and on our mobile app as well. Lots of ways to listen whenever, however you want. I think the most interesting storyline right now in football is not the XFL but it remains the NFL, even though they wrapped up their season a week ago with the Super Bowl. Free agency this year is going to be a madhouse. And free agency is normally a lot of fun, but this year you have quarterbacks in free agency. Philip Rivers can go where he wants. And Tom Brady can go where he wants. And Drew Brees is choosing whether he wants to play or not, although it seems like for Drew Brees it's a Saints or retirement type of question, which is interesting nonetheless. And then you have guys like Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston. There are so many options and so many teams who are trying to figure out their offseason as it relates to some of these free agents, right? Like, what are the Chargers? Are the Chargers going to draft? Are they going to bring one in? Right, well, what does Tom Brady want to do? Well, if Tom Brady leaves, what are the Patriots going to do? These moves and these decisions will create ripple effects for the next three or four years and even beyond, Right, If the Chargers get Tom Brady and because of it don't draft Tua Tungavailoa and Tua turns out to be a star, that is an impact that will be felt for a long, long time. So these decisions are going to be impactful and they're going to make a huge difference in the football landscape in the next 10 to 20 years, uh, especially if some of these quarterbacks in the draft, Justin Herbert uh, right, or Joe Burrow or especially Tua, the NFL landscape for the next 20 years is going to be shaped here in the next few months in free agency, and Tom Brady is a big part of that. Now, Tom Brady appears unhappy in New England, and we only know through reports and through rumors, we haven't heard from the Patriots or from Brady, that Brady's really unhappy. I I was listening to TJ Hushmanzada on Fox Sports Radio, was it last Friday? And he's like, dude, there's a 0% chance that Tom Brady comes back. Now, I I, I can't believe that 100%, but TJ Hushmanzada would know a lot more about it than I do. Right, So I'm just going off what I hear. It seems to sound like the Tom Brady might be on his way out. And it's and he appears to be asking for $30 million, and the Patriots are like, okay, we'll give you $30 million. I don't know. It's all tongue-in-cheek. But the narrative and the storyline surrounding Tom Brady right now is absolutely fascinating to me, and I laugh because I think everybody has it so, so 
wrong. Tom Brady is a free agent and wants to be a free agent and threaten to go elsewhere because in the eyes of Tom Brady and in the mind of Tom Brady, the Patriots are doing him dirty. Not through contracts or finances, but by his supporting cast. He's got no weapons. He's got nobody to throw the ball to. He's got nobody to hand the ball off to. His offensive line sucks. Tom Brady has been done dirty by the Patriots. And that's all I've been hearing. Tom Brady's taken a hometown discount for years. And the Patriots have done nothing with it. They put no, no one around him. No no players around Tom Brady. Get him some help. God, it's embarrassing. It's so disrespectful to Tom Brady. Okay. Um, the Patriots are an interesting case study because the Patriots for the last 20 years have been immune to the lot, a lot of the regular happenings in the NFL. Injuries and literally like having a good team in their division. They've been pretty exempt from that right outside of Mark Sanchez and the Jets. They've also been really exempt from just going through natural ebbs and flows. Once again, the theme of today's show. They got beat by the Titans in the first round of the playoffs this year. They got beat by a hot team who really rallied around their coach in one player. Now, for the Patriots, it was a huge deal. For any other NFL team, that would have been regular. It happens every year. There's some upset. There's some hot team that we never picture. And even though the Patriots were a great team, they just got beat. Fine. It happens. It's not a huge deal. And there's no need to overreact. They went 12-4, and four, won their division. And although I like Sam Darnold, and I hope the Dolphins get interesting, and I hope the, the Bills continue to get better, they're probably going to win their division next year because they're the Patriots, and they're very, very good at it. But this idea that Tom Brady has been done dirty by the Patriots, and they haven't put enough around him. Okay, so I, I'm not trying to ask a, make a pointed statement here. I'm just presenting the facts. So two years ago, they drafted Sony Michelle in the second round. That's something Bill Belichick never does. Look at his draft history. Second round for a running back is absurd. They drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round this year to go alongside what I've been told is a future Hall of Fame wide receiver, Julian Edelman. And then they also traded a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. Gronk retired. It happens. You're not replacing Gronk. That's not the Patriots' fault. They tried a couple of guys out. None of them worked. It happens every year. The Packers have been trying out tight ends for 10 years. Ever since Jermichael Finley got hurt, they haven't been able to solve the question outside of four weeks of Jared Cook. So you tell me where the Patriots could have done more. The offensive line, they just got hurt. The offensive line, injuries, happens in the NFL. Not to the Patriots, because they've had a lucky thumb up there, you know what, for the last 20 years. The Patriots are going through natural ebbs and flows that every NFL team goes through. Has anyone considered that Tom Brady might slightly, just maybe, possibly, maybe even a little bit, be part of the problem? Because Nikhil Harry was drafted before A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel. All of those guys were ballers this year, and all of them played on the Niners, played on the Titans, played on the Ravens. They contributed in big spots, in big moments, on good teams. Nikhil Harry can play. He's a good wide receiver. Julian Edelman, I've been told, is a future Hall of Famer. James White and Sony Michelle might be the best, most versatile backfield in the AFC. Those guys catch a lot of passes, do a lot of different things. But no, they need to do more. They traded for Muhammad Snoo. They did more than the Packers did for Aaron Rodgers. Nobody's whining about Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because for whatever reason, the Patriots are held to this different standard because they've had a lot of things go their way the last 20 years, which is fine. But when one season doesn't go their way, which, by the way, they went 12-4, and four, uh, let's not all freak out. Tom Brady, he hasn't, he hasn't been done dirty. They had the best defense in the NFL last year. Come on. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, to talk about it all here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.